Xbox On. Hello everybody and welcome back to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode we will be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of July 18th, 2019, including... Xbox Connects are reportedly being used for surveillance recording. GameStop is creating a new retro-inspired game store. Some of the creative talent behind Halo have formed a new studio and are creating a brand new IP and more. All that coming up right now, so stay tuned. And if you've been listening to the show, first of all, thank you so much. The honeymoon phase of podcasting, however, has officially kind of ended for me. And now I'm just uh, in that please listen to my show because I want to see it kind of grow phase. So I'm still having a lot of fun doing the show, um, but it is a lot of work. So please, 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 please consider giving the show a review on iTunes or share it with your friends or do both or just be a dickhead and let me fail. The ball is in your court, dear listener. And now it's time for me to get back on my feet, wipe the pity from my eyes, and we can start with this week's news. All right, our first story this week uh, comes from IGN, which is where I just like to pull most of my stories anyway. And this is a story that says uh, Xbox Connects are allegedly being used as surveillance cameras. Uh, So basically in Newark, New Jersey, uh, the Liberty International Airport has been Basically, or someone has noticed that they're using these old Xbox Connect camera sensors as kind of their security cameras. Uh, Jason Scott, a video game historian and archivist, tweeted a photo recently from his visit to the airport uh, and showed that the Connect devices allegedly are being used to monitor the crowds moving through the airport. Uh, his tweet reads, uh, TSA is now using Xbox Connects for surveillance in Newark Airport. Good job, tech. Slow clap, Microsoft. As, as a follow-up tweet, he uh he tweeted out, uh, says that they still have the Xbox logo, by the way, and it shows like a closer up image of these uh, what look kind of like lamppost poles uh, with Xbox connects at the end of them. So um, I think this is really cool. I mean, this is one rare, rare example of Xbox Connect being used for something other than gaming. Um, and what I find so interesting about this story is, you know, towards the end of the Connect lifespan, Microsoft was really looking to take this technology and move it outside of gaming, kind of transcend that gaming space and use Connect in other ways. Because first of all, this this is really expensive technology and it's really innovative technology. And it's almost a shame that Connect got locked into being this peripheral uh, for Xbox 360 initially that people kind of forever view as like this one and done competitor to Wii Motion um, that Microsoft was doing back in the motion control era phase because really the Kinect technology is so much more than that and I think it's so much more capable than that. The Kinect technology was always really cool even though it was never really put to good use until the Xbox One iteration which I think was a really solid piece of tech despite you know the shortcomings of the original iteration. Um, I mean as someone who used the Xbox One version a lot uh, back when it was more functional with the console i will say it was really awesome uh, it's i mean despite you know how much people were against it and how much it's associated with the kind of mixed and rough out the gate start of the xbox one i really think the the xbox one connect was really a great piece of tech and i was really quite excited when microsoft announced you know a couple of years after the xbox one that they were going to Uh, Well, first they made Kinect available for PC, and then they announced that they were going to kind of try to find other spaces in which they could find use for it, mainly, you know, Enterprise. This is kind of like what we see them doing uh, now with, like, HoloLens, you know, something that they showed off as something that has gaming potential. But I think with HoloLens, Microsoft was a little more savvy and realized... We're going to we're going to limit what this can be if we release it as like a VR competitor, you know, oh, we have an AR headset, um, use it on your Xbox, play video games with it. It's going to make it a flash in the pan if they go that route. Um, And I think they're trying to avoid HoloLens going the way of the Kinect, which is why you see HoloLens be like such an enterprise driven device. You see it in the medical field, in the architecture field, but not so much in like the gaming field. Um, And 
you know, it's, it's nice to see that Microsoft's kind of learned that lesson, but it's also sad because Connect was a really cool piece of tech that is now just kind of lost to history. And, and the worst part of it is it's not even a fondly remembered history because even though there are people like myself who do enjoy the Connect or think it's a cool piece of tech, uh, the reality of it is most people hate it and associate it with a uh, rougher era in Xbox history. Um, and, and maybe rightfully so, honestly, especially if you're talking about more of the first uh, iteration of it on the 360 side. Um, no one wanted to develop for the Kinect. No one ever wanted to play with it. And I, I don't really think that ever made it a bad piece of hardware. However, you know, here we are, you know, kind of laughing at Kinect the way we laughed at or the way some people laughed at, like the Microsoft Zune, which was, for all intents and purposes, a really cool um, MP3 player. But you know, it's just one of those things that's just kind of lost the time. It's it's a, a victim of Microsoft's, like, kind of lack of vision with the product. I don't know. So here we are, you know, making news out of someone using the Xbox Connect as a surveillance camera. And, you know, one last note on this before we move on. I think it is a little funny just because, uh, especially towards the Xbox One era, people were so paranoid that, you know, their Xbox Connect was always watching them. You know, be careful what you do. Microsoft is spying on you with your Xbox Connect. And I just think it's kind of ironic that it's come to this um, this point where now, like, literally that's the only thing Xbox Connect is being used for is for spying on people or, or recording surveillance footage. So that's a, that's a little bit of a, a funny coincidence there. But moving on to our next story, it looks like GameStop is trying to kind of pivot from its traditional GameStop stores to create some new store concepts, uh, including uh, one that offers some retro gaming experiences. So again, this is from IGN. I'm just going to read from it a little bit. It says, it's no secret that GameStop has had a rough few uh, years financially. They saw a third quarter loss of nearly half a billion dollars last November, even after selling Spring Mobile for a cool $700 million. The article goes on to say, something needs to change. And today GameStop announced that its new business saving strategy is turning stores into quote unique experiences. And what's really cool about this is, I mean, I, I think these are actually some solid ideas GameStop has, which is to take some of its lower performing stores or some, some of its stores that they think these concepts might really fit with, uh, depending on, you know, geographic location and kind of the market they're in. Um, and this quote reads, you know, Together, GameStop and r slash GA, which is the marketing um, division they're working with, are developing and piloting a new streamlined physical store concept, introducing new ways for gamers to try their titles before they buy them, ellipsis. Read the announcement before going on to say that unique store concepts that offer things like, quote, competitive sessions in homegrown e-leagues to locations that are strictly retro gaming, software, and hardware, unquote, are just some of the ideas that they are going to try in the new store concept. What I think is really interesting here is, you know, my, uh, GameStop isn't even just thinking of one way they can alter some GameStop stores, but multiple, you know, maybe um, find places where the market kind of supports it and open a store that has kind of a homegrown local esports thing. So like a place where esports players can come and connect kind of in person and then from there kind of grow their perhaps their own esports team. You know, if you're having a hard time meeting people via the Internet uh, maybe you go to your local esports GameStop and, and you play your League of Legends or your uh, whatever the hell it is people are playing. And the, what's that Blizzard one with the with the girl that people draw the porn about? It's the um, Overwatch, um, you know. And you kind of play with people in store and meet people that way and kind of connect and and grow your uh, your esports kind of scene. Uh, via in-store these GameStop stores that one I don't have quite as much faith in but it's this other one that I really think is is GameStop kind of hitting on something that could be quite lucrative if they play their cards right which is this idea of like these retro stores you know where it's a GameStop you walk into and they sell some used games but it's not really like your Xbox One PS4 stuff it's more like N64, Super Nintendo, Genesis games, you know, on sale. I think that could be a really neat concept. And then they have, you know, TVs set up, like CRT TVs, so you can play these games, like beanbag chairs, couches, whatever, and you sit around with your friends, you pretend it's the late 90s, and and you uh, crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew and, and uh, reminisce about things that only 90s kids will understand. I think that's actually a really cool idea for uh, a niche kind of boutique store. However, I mean, honestly, I think this can go wrong really easily. And that's if GameStop stops, you know, the, the concept there, I think to really make something like this take off, you got to say, well, kids that grew up in the late mid mid eighties to early two thousands who are nostalgic for like NES through PS two are, you know, these, these people are young adults now, middle-aged adults. Now 
if you're going to capitalize on their nostalgia like this, I think you need to do something like the barcade concept, which we see kind of really taking off in a lot of major cities right now, which is, you know, a place where you can go play arcade games, but you can also have a beer or craft cocktail. And it gives people a way to say, you know, I'm nostalgic for these old games I used to play as a kid, but also I'm not going to go out of my way to go to an arcade and play a game that I could just play at home like through virtual console or illegally download my computer or my Android phone or whatever it is people do to play these old games now. The draw on these kinds of barcades, if you will, is uh, is to you know get people in the door as they would for a bar, to come and drink, to come and socialize. And then the games there are kind of like a, an afterthought or a, like an excuse to go to said bar, you know? Uh, and I think that's really what GameStop should do if they're going to pursue this idea is kind of make like a bar experience. You can come and get craft beer and some, some interesting cocktails and, you know, you and your 25-year-old friends can chill out and talk about how Mario Kart 64 is the greatest Mario Kart, even though that's the most heinous bullshit I've ever heard because Mario Kart 8 is so much better than Mario Kart 64 because it took a janky piece of shit game that controlled like ass and made it playable. But I, I digress. Um, I really think that's what GameStop could do to kind of solidify this concept because I really don't think it's a bad concept at all. Um, it's quite smart. I, you know, I mean, I'm kind of in that camp of like, fuck GameStop, you know, they suck. They're a shitty company. Everyone hates them. Everyone's always hated them. But at the end of the day, they're, they're just a business trying to survive. And I can respect that. And what I really do respect is that these, this past decade, GameStop has been pivoting and trying so, so hard to reinvent itself. And, you know, as someone who just respects someone putting in the effort, I respect GameStop for, you know, really trying to reinvent themselves and, and kind of adapt in this new, more digital age, you know. We started seeing this about a decade plus ago when they started buying and trading used, like, cell phones and iPads and shit. And then we saw it more as they kind of turned GameStops into more of, like, Think Geek Part 2s, as now you walk into a GameStop, it's, like, 30% used video games, 70% Funko Pops and T-shirts. Um, and I think this is a really good idea, too, for them to try out, which is these kind of more boutique uh, gaming stores. So, you know, we'll I guess we'll learn more about this in the near future. I doubt anything like what I just said is what GameStop has in store for these uh, for these new concepts. But I really think that could take these kind of boutique stores to the next level and possibly even secure a future for GameStop, which would be nice to see because even though as much as we all like to shit on GameStop, I promise you, let GameStop go out of business in the next 12 months and then you wait 10 years and all the kids you went to high school with, middle school with or whatever are going to be going, you know, I was an early 2000s, mid 2000s kid and I went to GameStop. Kids today will never know what GameStop was like. Back in the day, we used to wait till midnight to buy new games and we would play Call of Duty at midnight. Oh, I, I just, I'm, I'm calling that now, you know, people are going to be all over the GameStop nostalgia in 10 years. You watch, they're going to flip the script on GameStop. Next story. The creator of The Division 2 uh, has asked fans if they would be interested in a single player spinoff for the game. So the uh, creative director of, of Tom Clancy's The Division 2 retweeted, um, actually, Tim Spencer, who works at uh, uh, TT Games, the studio that makes like the Lego games. Um, anyway, sorry, this is a little oddly worded. So Tim Spencer, the guy who works at Traveler's Tale, the uh, Lego game studio, tweeted out, I love the idea of a single-player narrative-driven spinoff of The Division. Following an agent trying to get home to their family after being sent to New York City during the SHD blackout from the fall of D.C., some of that doesn't make sense to me because I don't play The Division. And then he ends the tweet saying, The Last of Us crossed The Division. Uh, and then he adds Julian um, Garrity, who is the uh, creative director for The Division series. Um, and so the creative director then retweets this and says, Thoughts? And he got a lot of responses from his audience saying that they'd be really into a game like that. Um, and now I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination this is like, coming to fruition or anything because I really don't think that's the case but what a great way to potentially get people in the door for a franchise that they wouldn't have otherwise played um this looter shooter genre for as lucrative and popular as it's been with destiny and the division and so on um is a very specific kind of genre that I think a lot of more traditional gamers are really turned off by um and if you could make a compelling story-driven game based in the division universe uh and get kind of these more traditional single player gamers uh, fixed or kind of into your world, it, it could open them up to play like division proper, which is 
a really cool way to kind of grow and sustain this community, especially for a genre that I think uh, is on the verge of being one of those like um, one and done kind of uh, product of their time genres that just come and go. You know, I really don't know. It seems like all these games are kind of failing and that all we have left is Desi and the division. And it's only a matter of time before those two fail, unless they can somehow find a way to reinvigorate these brands. Um, so I just think that's, that'd be really cool uh, to see them kind of reinvent the division and potentially expand the audience. However, you know, despite Ubisoft being one of the more creative uh, and risk-taking like big publishers in the games industry, I don't see them going for something like this unless they can somehow make it like some kind of open-world, dominate-the-map, Far Cry-type game because that seems to be 90% of what Ubisoft wants to make anyway these days. Um, but this is more of just like, a, take this with a grain of salt, but I think it's interesting that you know the guy kind of in charge of this franchise is is listening to people talking about this kind of uh, this potential uh, hypothetical game, if you will. Um, but, you know, that being said, this could only go one of two ways. Either he's just kind of entertaining the audience's opinions, or this is just like coincidentally something he's been toying with as well. And maybe potentially this is something that we'll get. So again, take it with a grain of salt. Um, there's really not much more you can detract from this, but I think it's interesting. As someone who doesn't play the division and doesn't give a shit about the division, that would a uh, single player story driven game would be the closest way you'll ever get me to care about this world. So, I mean, it must work for someone because I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in maybe checking it out depending on how it looks. All right. Our next story is one that I wouldn't normally cover, but I want to kind of give it a little bit of time just because I want to read Rod Ferguson's response. So IGN ran a story this week that said gears five won't have any smoking after speaking with anti tobacco group. Normally, these are kind of just like your slow news day kind of bullshit clickbaity stories that I don't really give a crap about. Um, but I feel like <laughs> every media outlet that covered this story kind of wrongly covered it. Um, it seems like they missed the point and really weren't capturing what um, coalition head Rod Ferguson meant, you know, by eliminating smoking from the Gears of War franchise. So I want to kind of cover it just so I can give his voice a little more praise and just to kind of get his side of the story out there because uh, it's just annoying to me when like people misinterpret the most like menial like unimportant aspects of something and then turn like this trivialized thing into like a, a big story but anyway um, so basically the story reads the coalition has appeared has apparently turned uh, on the no smoking sign in Gears 5 as it has been revealed that the shooter and all of its references to tobacco as it has been revealed that all references to tobacco will be scrubbed from the upcoming shooter. Variety reports that Gears 5 developer, The Coalition, has consciously made the decision to remove smoking references from the shooter after discussing it with anti-tobacco organization Truth Initiative. And you'll know who Truth is if you've ever watched a YouTube video or a Hulu ad because they're those, those stupid anti-smoking commercials that they used to run on Teen Nick and like I said, every YouTube video and they'll drive you crazy because they're really fucking stupid. And sometimes they're a little like morbid or grotesque and they'll make you your stomach churn. And you're just trying to eat your stupid pizza rolls and watch reruns of King of the Hill. But instead, you got to watch this stupid truth commercial over and over again, which is irrelevant because you don't even smoke to begin with. So they're marketing to the wrong person. But anyway, so the tweet kind of got out there and in the way this this story was worded made it seem like, you know, the truth initiative, uh, this organization kind of like got to the coalition was like hey we'll like pay you off or kind of like uh how can we influence you to make sure there's no smoking gears war going forward um and that really wasn't kind of what happened actually rather what happened was uh rod ferguson reached out um and kind of clarified by saying you know there wasn't a no smoking to remove from gears of war five or even the fourth one because we ne because there never was any smoking to begin with he said and as long as I'm in control, there never will be. Um, and then IGN doesn't really, that, that was their update to the story, but they never really followed up with his additional tweets. So I pulled up his uh, actual Twitter account and some additional tweets he was saying, you know, in response to some users, as well as the IGN story on Twitter. He says, um, again, there was no censure, there was no censorship, there was no smoking, so nothing was censored. Uh, and then he, he responded to someone else saying, um, my dad smoked, he died from a heart attack at age 38, and I was four years old. Um, and I think this is important because he's, it's just him saying, you know, smoking is something like that 
you know, smoking has affected my personal life and I, I'm just not a fan of smoking. So I made a conscious effort to not put it in my game. Uh, whereas the media is kind of portraying it like, look at this popular game franchise where the studio was bought off to remove smoking references from it. Um, and I just want to kind of clarify because I think that Rod Ferguson's kind of defense and explanation of this decision was kind of buried and not really covered by the news quite as much. And I wanted to just give it a little bit of, um, of airtime because I think it's a little unfair that the guy who made the decision and the guy who's basically his gaming franchise uh, is that is is in question here or is or is being talked about is the one who's having like his opinions and his his contributions to the conversation kind of neglected. So I just felt like that was something uh, worth kind of pointing out because that it bothered me a little bit when I was on Twitter this week reading through that. And I was just like, why are none of these like these stories are updating with stuff, but not like the actual quotes from Rod Ferguson. So that was a little annoying. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's really all there is to that. It's not like a interesting story to dissect or anything otherwise. All right. This next one is kind of a bigger one, uh, especially if you like sci-fi first person shooters. So Halo's co-creator, uh, has formed a new studio and has announced a new, uh, IP called disintegration. The article from IGN reads a new game from the co-creator of the Halo series has been announced. Earlier today, V1 Interactive, a new studio led by Halo co-creator and former creative director at Bungie, Marcus Leto, announced Disintegration, a, quote, sci-fi first-person shooter, unquote. No other information about the game itself was shared, though a full unveiling will take place later this summer at Gamescom 2019. This announcement was made with a little teaser trailer that showed this kind of, like, um, pod-racing Destiny ship-looking thing. Um, and just kind of tease that in, I believe, August 19th, they're going to be having a full reveal during Gamescom, the first day of Gamescom, whenever that is, uh, there will be a full reveal for the game. This is exciting because I love sci-fi games, I love first-person shooters, and I love Halo and Destiny, so I'm excited to see kind of, you know, what this can potentially be. It looks like the studio is made up of talent from, you know, a variety of, of different aspects of the industry, including people who've worked on, like, Skyrim, uh, and, and people who worked at Bungie, people who worked on uh, Shadow of Mordor. Um, so just a handful of studios, a handful of genres, a handful of game franchises. Um, so I just think this is really interesting because this is yet another story we're seeing where like 343 or Bungie talent is leaving their kind of home studio and going on to do new and different things, um, which just kind of furthers this narrative that's not really that I mean I guess it's not really a narrative because no one's really talking about it but I've I've been thinking about it and it's just that you know we're seeing more of this original kind of talent from Bungie disperse and this company's not even close to what it was you know they're still Bungie's still like touted as like the creators of Halo but the truth is a lot of the people that created Halo either don't work for Bungie anymore don't work for 343 anymore or they work at 343 still making Halo um the people who work at Bungie these days are like totally new staff that started, you know, at some point after Halo or during Destiny or beyond, you know. So it's just, I don't know, it's just weird how, like, we still look at Destiny or rather Bungie as, like, the Halo studio, um, even though, one, they're not the ones making Halo anymore. It's 343. And two, so few of that staff probably ever had their hands on the Halo franchise at any point, um, yet we're still, you know, using the Bungie name to kind of market on newer games. Like, the creators of Halo are making a new game studio, a new video game IP, and all these things. It's like, the reality is it's like some guy who worked for a company that at one point in history worked on Halo is making a new game, and we're going to use that as a selling point. But anyway, I mean, I'm excited to see what this game is. I love, like I said, I love sci-fi, I love first-person shooters, love Halo, love Destiny. I'm excited to see um, how this game is unique. Um, if it does have Halo or Destiny influence, how so? Because I like both of those games a lot. Um, but yeah, so I mean, here's more of that original Halo talent kind of being split up and spread out into the games industry. And, and we kind of see this happen all the time, you know, with older studios that are renowned for classic games. You know, we see this with like the 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 Bioshock talent is now completely spread out around the industry. And and we're just kind of seeing, you know, what kind of things these people can come up with in a post-Halo, post-Destiny world, even though those franchises are still alive and well. Um, we're, we're seeing those franchises get up there in age um, as, you know, the talent behind them kind of goes on to aspire to create new and exciting things. And, you know, as someone who's just a fan of new, cool shit, I'm excited to see, you know, what these games are. So, new game coming from Marcus Leto, former uh, creative director of Halo. 
Now, this next one isn't so much a news story as it is just something I want to point out. Uh, basketball superstar Anthony Davis unveils the Xbox One X NBA 2K20 Special Edition Bundle. And the reason why I wanted to point this out is because I'm getting this from news.xbox.com. This is the coolest Xbox One I've maybe ever seen. It is just an Xbox One X uh, in white with like splattered like specks of this like really fun purple and blue paint all over it. And it looks really fun. It looks really cool. And the controller is white and has like purple face buttons. And it's apparently somehow basketball themed, but it looks nothing like basketball. I don't see a, a Mr. Anthony Davis anywhere on this Xbox. Um, but this Xbox is really badass looking and it will come out later this year with a one terabyte hard drive. And if for whatever reason you're in the market for this, um, I envy you because I kind of wish I had an excuse to buy one. I wish I had 500 bucks burn a hole through my wallet, but yeah, I mean, if this is something you're interested in, it comes with for 500 bucks, you get a one terabyte Xbox one X with NBA 2k bundled. Uh, and then, or, I mean, or you can get a similar version of it, but it's an Xbox one S with uh, NBA 2K20 bundled, and that's only $300, so options. So yeah, that's coming out in the following months. If you're in the market for an Xbox One X or S, for whatever reason, you're trying to buy new Xbox hardware uh, a year away from next generation, whatever, that's your own prerogative, but that's another option available for you. All right, as we get into our last two stories of the day, this one kind of struck me as a really odd one. So originally... A uh, Microsoft, let's see, it was Microsoft, sorry, it was Xbox Germany, uh, their Facebook account, mistakenly had Final Fantasy VII Remake as a uh, upcoming title, an unannounced game. Um, however, this is incorrect, and this was not meant to be shared, as Microsoft came out and said, hey, this was a mistake, there are no plans for this game to come to um, Xbox as of right now, and and you know we apologize, whatever for the, the mistake. Um, and then you know I, IGN posted this update a few days later um, that I want to read to you. It says Square Enix has said that there are no plans for Final Fantasy VII remake to release on any console other than the PS4. In a statement to IGN, Square Enix said, "Quote as previously announced, Final Fantasy VII remake will be released for the PlayStation 4 on March 3rd, 2020." We have no plans for other platforms. The statement seems to suggest, without going as far as to use exact phrasing, that Final Fantasy VII Remake is a PS4 exclusive. Such a situation would mean that the Xbox One release date, mistakenly shown by the Xbox Germany Facebook account, is a complete mistake, rather than a mishandled date announcement. I find this one so odd, because Square Enix's relationship with Microsoft in recent years, specifically this generation, has been such a weird one. It's like one minute Square Enix is throwing a bone to Microsoft saying, here's a game that we'll put on Xbox. And the next minute, they're back to business as usual, which is to say all of our games are coming to predominantly PlayStation, maybe something on Nintendo's platform, and fuck you, Xbox. And it seems like this announcement is one of those, you know, back to business as usual, as I was saying. Remember that, you know, Kingdom Hearts 3, which came out earlier this year, is the first and only game in the Kingdom Hearts franchise to have ever been released on Xbox. That being said, leading up to the release of Kingdom Hearts 3, Square Enix released all 2,700 other Kingdom Hearts games on PlayStation 4 a total of like seven times each. I think it was like once a month, every month for seven years, Square Enix was re-releasing Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, 3DS, XL, Divided by 7, Birth by Sleeping on PlayStation 4 just continuously. We were just getting these games re-released constantly. I don't know who's buying them, but apparently someone was because they kept making them, so they must have been selling. However, you know, for all of us Xbox fans that were maybe saying, hmm, maybe I'll give Kingdom Hearts 3 a try. I hope they re-release these previous games on the Xbox One since they're coming to PS4. Nope, Square Enix didn't do that at all. Now, of course, there could be some kind of weird situation where some of the old Kingdom Hearts games have some kind of exclusivity or publishing kind of in, uh, stake by Sony. Um, although I, I don't think that's the case. That could potentially be the case. You never know these kinds of things. Um, but then we also see these other sides of the story where it's like Square Enix does have a, de a decent relationship with Microsoft. For example, in 2015, Rise of the Tomb Raider was famously released as an Xbox One timed exclusive. I mean, obviously that's not a Square Enix developed game, but it is a it is a owned and published game by Square Enix. They they own Crystal Dynamics, uh, who made the game. 
And I just think it's so weird because that was one of those examples of, okay, Microsoft and Square Enix seem to be building um, some kind of relationship despite not historically having one. This is kind of interesting. Um, however, you know, that doesn't seem to be indicative of anything as we're seeing now. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is kind of a more unique case. It did, to be fair, uh, unrelated to the Final Fantasy remake the, for Final Fantasy VII, they have been porting just like the classic PlayStation 1 version of Final Fantasy to pretty much everything. Um, I think Switch and Xbox One both got it earlier this year or late last year. So technically you can play Final Fantasy VII on your Xbox One. Uh, it's just a shitty direct port of the PS1 game. However, there's something about Final Fantasy VII. It's so deeply associated with the uh, PlayStation brand that I almost wonder if there's like some stake in it for PlayStation to incentivize, whether that's financially or just with some strong relationship for them to just suggest to Square Enix that this remake should be a PlayStation exclusive. I don't know why Square Enix would go for that. They can make more money by making it available on every platform. So why wouldn't they? Um, but perhaps there is some financial incentive on Sony's part for it to remain a PlayStation exclusive. I have no idea. I just don't understand why if you have a decent and growing relationship with Microsoft and if you're already developing this game for PlayStation, why won't you just put it on Xbox and widen the pool of people you can get the game out to? Either way, it makes no sense to me. It seems to be one of those kind of arbitrary things we've seen in the gaming industry forever, which is like Japanese publishers and Japanese game companies sticking with other Japanese companies and kind of just blowing off Microsoft because... No one seems to take the Xbox uh, brand seriously unless you're in like North America or Australia or certain parts of Europe or South America. But Asia in particular just doesn't seem to really give a shit about the Xbox brand at all. That being said, if Sony does have some kind of partnership or stake in this game at all, uh, it seems to further this arbitrary partnership between Square Enix and Sony. But either way, this is, you know, regardless of what's happening here and we can just guess all day. It's just an unfortunate miss, you know, for people playing on Xbox who would have liked to play this remake. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to get to. So if you don't own a PlayStation 4, you're out of luck. Um, but then again, if you were looking forward to playing Final Fantasy, you're a fucking loser and I want nothing to do with you. So stop listening to my podcast. That being said, I hope this remake delights fans of the Final Fantasy franchise. And our final wrap up story of the day, um, another story from IGN. This one's another weird one. The Bard's Tale, a very popular kind of OG PS2 Xbox game uh, developed by InXile, uh, is coming to PS4 and Xbox One. Um, it, there's a director's cut version. It was released on PC not too long ago, and now that version is coming to the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. Um, however, I will remind you, InXile is one of those studios, along with Obsidian, that Microsoft scooped up late last year around November-ish. So this is another example of a newly acquired Microsoft game studio that is releasing a game on PlayStation, on Nintendo Switch. Now, this one isn't coming to Nintendo Switch, but what I mean to say by that is we're just seeing all these Microsoft-owned properties now just kind of ending up on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. Uh, like, I mean, Minecraft. Microsoft famously bought Mojang, and now Minecraft is still on every platform imaginable, uh, but it's a Microsoft game for all intents and purposes. Um, the Outer Worlds, developed by Obsidian, coming out later this year. That game was already well under development before Microsoft obtained Obsidian, but still, they allowed them to release this PS4 version of the game. So it's weird. We're seeing a lot more and more of this, these kinds of Xbox games that are just... You know, people don't have a strong connection with these studios and these games being Xbox uh, exclusives, and Microsoft isn't taking advantage of that. They're they're instead doing quite the opposite and saying, we can make a lot of money by putting it on PlayStation or allowing it to continue to be developed for PlayStation uh, or Nintendo Switch in certain cases. So yeah, we'll just, we'll just let it happen. We'll make the money because, you know, if it's on everything, we'll make the fucking money. Who cares, you know? Uh, and this gives a lot of credence to this future of Xbox that I keep talking about, which is maybe someday just all Xbox games will be available on everything, you know? If Halo Infinite can run on Nintendo Switch, it will be on Nintendo Switch. And what I mean by that is, again, if you'll go back a couple weeks, I was talking about how I think the purpose of Xbox hardware in the future is going to be Microsoft's way of saying, you don't buy Xbox because it's the only place to play Xbox games. You buy Xbox because it is the premier place to experience Xbox gaming. However, if the competitors, if other gaming hardware manufacturers can create uh, 
online infrastructures and gaming hardware that can support what our games do, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to play our games on those platforms too. Much in the way that, sure, you could buy a Microsoft computer, which runs Microsoft's operating system called Windows, or you can buy a HP computer, which also runs Windows because HP is built a, a computer that's totally capable of taking advantage of the capabilities of Windows 10, much like the way a Microsoft Surface computer would. It's about giving the user options and about the Microsoft option being kind of the defining uh, role model of what Microsoft products and services can run on rather than being the only way, which is just a really hard thing, I think, for gamers to wrap their brains around because, you know, since the beginning of games, we've just been so wired to think, you know, if Nintendo's going to make a game, it's only going to be available on Nintendo. Why would you play it on PlayStation? That doesn't make sense. Uh, so this is just taking a kind of more Microsoft-centric, uh, computer-focused concept of how we enjoy products and services and applying it, kind of redefining the games industry through this lens, this Microsoft lens, which, uh, again, I think is really exciting and really cool. But this, uh, I mean, this could just be a, the coincidence of this game was under development before Microsoft purchased in exile, and that's why it's coming to PS4. Or it could be another example of Microsoft purchased in exile, they're working on this uh, director's cut remake of Bard's Tale, and you know people don't already have this association of Bard's Tale being an Xbox exclusive game the way they do with Halo being an Xbox exclusive. So don't ruin that. Just let it go on all platforms and make your money because the more platforms it's on, the more opportunities you have to sell this game. So again, just this adds a little more credence to that argument. Could be a coincidence. I really don't see how it is. Uh, keep in mind, we also have We Happy Few, uh, an Xbox-owned game that is available on multi-platform. The Outer Worlds coming out later this year, an Xbox game that's available on multi-platform. Uh, and Minecraft, a game that's mostly played on like iPhone, iPad, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4. But it's a Microsoft game. It's, it's home would technically be like Xbox or Windows PC. So just something to keep in mind. It's just... Uh, I don't think we're going to see this trend stop. I think we're going to see Microsoft become increasingly more aggressive about this as we head into the next generation. Um, and it's it's kind of exciting, but it's also kind of tricky. So we'll keep an eye on it. All right, and that is it for this week's news. Before we go into the game releases of this week, I do want to point out there there is an Xbox Super Game Sale going on this week. The sale goes on through July uh, 29th and offers tons of savings, including up to 70% off select Xbox games. Also... You can get three months of Xbox Game Pass Unlimited for the price of one month. So tons of good deals to be had here. I just wanted to kind of raise awareness of this sale in case you're looking to get a good deal on some games or some Xbox Ultimate Game Pass subscription or anything like that. Um, and this sale does it does include PC games uh, on the Xbox PC Windows PC app. Um, so definitely check that out. Tons of savings, 50% off 75% off um, or 70% off rather so tons and tons of savings um, as well as like not only just video games but like there's also like PC sales on like PC uh, monitors and, and, and uh, accessories as well as Xbox One S and X accessories um, too so there's tons and tons of ways to save money on the sale if you're interested in that you should be able to just turn on your Xbox One go to the store and see the sale. Also go to xbox.com or the Microsoft Store website and be able to find the sale as well. Um, again, it runs through July 29th. So just pointing out for those of you looking to uh, get a good deal or uh, potentially purchase something at a decent price. I mean, it's got a lot of new games. We've got Rage 2, Forza Horizon 4 in here. So tons of newer games uh, on, on deep discounts. So Definitely something worth checking out if you're in the market uh, to blow some cash, especially as we enjoy these uh, slower summer months where we're not getting quite as many new game releases. Now that that's out of the way, let's go into this week's new game release uh, lineup, which as is now Xbox on tradition, I will be describing these games to you based off nothing more than a singular screenshot of said game. So this week, we've got a handful of new games coming out. One, two, three, four, five, six new games. Uh, we will start with... Uh, a game that I think people are going to be really excited about. This game is called Must Dash Amigos. This game comes out July 16th, so as the time of this at the time of this recording it is already available. What are you waiting for? Turn this podcast off. Go play this game. This is a uh, animated style game 
Uh, it looks very reminiscent of Rare's uh, Viva Pinata. So if you enjoyed Viva Pinata, this might be a game for you. Uh, but what differentiates this game is you're not playing as kind of like an omnipotent hand controlling these animals, but rather you are playing as a boy who has been transformed into an avocado. Uh, and this is actually kind of, you know, as fun as a game, as fun of a game as this is supposed to be, this kind of premise is really sad because what happened is, uh, I mean, just judging by the picture, it's pretty obvious. It tells everything you need to know. This boy had a very loving, caring family, um, but he had an addiction to avocados. And one day his mother warned him, you know, if you keep eating avocados all the time, eventually you're going to become one. Uh, and this boy totally didn't listen to his mother as he should have um, and consumed one avocado too many. And now, um, you know, he lives life as half human, half avocado, which is just devastating. You know, his family didn't believe it was him when they when they saw him the day after he had transformed into an avocado. And his mother went as far as to try and to try and cut him up and serve him in a salad. And, you know, no, no young boy should have to live in a world where their mother is trying to eat them in a in a fresh, healthy salad. But unfortunately, that's the life this this boy now leads. Um, so in this game, you will be surrounded by cute little pets akin to Viva Pinata, but you will also be fleeing town as everyone is after you because um, this game probably takes place in California, which as we know is a very popular place to consume avocado. Um, so you're going to be doing a lot of things like avoiding um, um, breakfast spots that serve avocado toast and avoiding smoothie places that do like avocado smoothies. Uh, and you're just going to really be trying to live out your young boyhood uh, while avoiding being eaten. And it's just, I think it's kind of an allegory for life, you know. Uh, isn't that kind of what we're all doing? Just kind of avoiding being eaten. Um, but, you know, that's that's life. And I think this game's really going to have a compelling story uh, based off that screenshot alone. So our next game is called Lost Orbit. This screenshot is beautiful. Uh, it shows this, like, shot of space with, like, these light, like, vortexes popping up. And honestly, as beautiful as this game looks, I gotta say I'm gonna give this game a hard pass. Uh, because there's no characters on the screen. It's just a lot of rocks and space and vortexes. And the reality is, you know, you can't play a game without a character to control or or something to control. So without, you know, like a cursor or a character or something to do, this game's going to be pretty fucking boring. It looks like they built... Don't, don't get me wrong. It looks like the developer here has built a beautiful world. Um, it would be fun to explore, but unfortunately, you don't have a character uh, in which you can use as a vehicle to explore this world. So... Um, a little bit of a development oversight for them to to have not included um, a character or a way to kind of traverse the world and explore and, and participate in the game. Uh, but unfortunately, that is something that the developers forgot to put into this game. So you're left with just this beautiful, empty void that is outer space. Um, and in a way, maybe that's just um, kind of uh, some commentary on, you know, space. It's just like this endless, uninhabited uh, space, for lack of a better word. Um, so I'm going to have to give that game a hard pass. Maybe they can day one update it and add a character or something so that you can actually play in the game they've built. Uh, but until then, I'm just going to have a hard time recommending a game you can't actually play. Um, our next game is called Exception. Now, this game looks kind of like a, um, a Mega Man 2.5. I'm going to call it a 2.7D game. Uh, because it's not quite 3D, but it's definitely more 3D than 2.5D, uh, because the camera's kind of tilted uh, a little bit to the side, so you're getting a little more of a three-dimensional look, but here's what really differentiates this game from Mega Man. It's not Mega Man, uh, and, and, and for that reason alone, I'm really going to have to recommend that you go play Mega Man 4, uh, because Mega Man 4 is the first one that came to my mind, um, and it's not exception, so that's why you should go play that. Um, but if you if you insist on playing exception, just know there are a lot of robots uh, in this game. There are a lot of avoiding robot attacks. Um, so if you don't get enough of that from your day-to-day -day real life, then I guess you can go play exception and get some of that there. Um, I would just think after a long day in the real world of avoiding robots, you maybe would want to do something a little more creative and original in a video game, but teach his own. The next game in our list is called Mochi Mochi Boy, which uh, clearly means um, in this game you'll be uh, throwing little mochi ice creams at um, uh, children, little boys. So this game is going to be rated like R because in this game you're going to be attacking little boys. And while I totally condone attacking young children, um, I don't think we should be doing it in video games because even though in real life um, resorting to physical violence isn't really indicative of like someone's behavioral patterns. I really think video games um, do kind of exhibit 
um, kind of evil and violent behaviors. So if we're throwing mochis at kids in real life, you know, that's just kids being kids. But if we're throwing mochis at boys in a video game, well, that just makes us monsters. And I don't want to be a monster. Um, I'd rather play Monster Hunter World, a game where you um, fight monsters. So don't play Mochi Mochi Boy. Play Monster Hunter World, but don't play the DLC because that's not out yet. Our penultimate game on this week's list is called Etherborn. Now, this game um, sounds really cool. I think that's a really cool name, Etherborn. Um, and the screenshot kind of does the title justice because it really looks like you are kind of in the ether. It's just like this blank, unambiguous uh, kind of space um, where there's this like not even remotely aerodynamic ship that's just kind of floating. It looks like this floating platform. Um, and one thing I will say about this game is it does uh, it does include a lot of red. So while the game totally looks cool, the color palette is almost entirely red and white. So unless you consider yourself to be um, a communist, I'm going to recommend you maybe stay away from this game. Not because it's not a fun game. I'm sure it's a really good game. But I just would hate to see anyone, you know, um, be ousted as a, a communist for playing Aetherborn. So play at your own risk. But, I mean, it's definitely an incredible game. It's definitely, like, top five games of all time. But, like, do you want to be considered a communist? Do you want to be arrested for being a communist? That's up to you. I can't tell you what to do with your life. Um, our final game uh, this week is called Welcome to Hanwell. Now, this is definitely some kind of horror game. Um, we see like a subject laying on a hospital um, bed, and they're kind of this operation room that's dimly lit, um, and it looks like these fans slash light projectors are about to like attack this body that's being like held down to this board. Now, this game, I'm going to recommend you buy it for sure. You have to pre-order it, actually. Um, I'm going to recommend you do uh, but don't play it until the day after Halloween so that it feels extremely anticlimactic because um, that way I think you'll really be put in the shoes of the character because in this picture, even though it looks really scary, there's no other person in the room to inflict harm on this person, which I think is kind of anticlimactic. So if you could start playing this game sometime around Thanksgiving, I think you'll really get an appreciation and a feel for this kind of horror game, uh, which coincides nicely with a post-Halloween kind of um, uh, festive holiday time. Um, so that's Welcome to Hanwell. Um, one thing I do want to note about this week's games is none of these games were Xbox One X enhanced. So definitely expect the graphics to be very subpar. Um, these in, these are all indie games. These are all smaller games. Um, but you know you know me. I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a power snob. I'm a tech geek. Um, so if my games aren't Xbox One X enhanced, I won't play them. So I mean, you can stoop down to this level and enjoy these stupid games for stupid kids, but. I'm going to go play some Xbox One X enhanced games like that eight bit game from last week. Um, but, but otherwise, if you, you know, if, if you're a plebeian, you can enjoy those games. No problem. Um, this week coming to game pass, we'll just speed through this list real quick. Uh, a couple new games coming to game pass. Um, we've got Metal Gear Solid five, the Phantom pain, and that's coming to Xbox, uh, console only, uh, Resident Evil four is coming to console only. And then we've got killer instinct, um, one of the many iterations of that the definitive edition with all the DLC that's going to be on PC and Xbox one. I don't know how that's not already on Xbox one, but whatever, uh, I guess just not the definitive edition. We've got, uh, the banner saga three coming to both console and PC. Then we've got night call, which is only coming to PC. It might already be on console as well as for the King coming to PC only. Um, so some new games coming to Xbox game pass this week, but keep in mind, as we talked about last week, the gears five versus tech test is happening this week. So you can download that starting uh, today, actually, on the 18th. And it will be playable beginning Friday, July 19th, so tomorrow. This is really cool. They recently released a new trailer for this versus mode, uh, which looked pretty fun. Um, so I'm excited to play a little bit of that over the weekend. And then next week on the podcast, I can talk a little bit about uh, the tech tests and kind of what to expect from Gears 5, multiplayer-wise at least. Uh, but yeah, definitely remember to play that if that's something you're interested in. And remember, if you're going to play it, you have to be an Xbox Game Pass subscriber in order to be able to download and participate in the tech tests. And if you're not, the only other way to participate is if you pre-ordered the game, uh, in which case you'll get free access to the beta or tech tests. And I guess it's not really free access because you pre-ordered the game, but you know what I mean. Wrapping up for this week's show, we've got Games with Gold. Just as a reminder, um, the games this month are... Um, 
Limbo and Big Crown Showdown. Big Crown Showdown is available starting now, uh, July 16th through August 15th. I think Limbo is already over. Uh, I think that was just for the first half. Or no, that's for the entirety of the month. So you can get Limbo still. If, again, if you haven't gotten that, please get that. Um, and then additionally for the 360 games, Symphony of the Night, I believe, is now over. Uh, so you can't get Castlevania anymore, but you can get... Disney's Meet the Robinsons, the video game, which will be available for the remainder of the month of July. Download that because that'll just be funny. I don't know. I think those movie tying games are kind of a blast. I, th- I think people give them an unfair shake. Sometimes they're fun to play because you can tell how rushed the development was and how, how little time and resources they really had to make a good game. But sometimes under that pressure to make a game in such a short period of time with such limited resources, I think you can find some like pretty interesting concepts that get overlooked because those genres just that kind of movie tie-in genre usually gets just kind of swept under the rug. So definitely worth checking out if you if you got some time to kill and want to play a free game. Uh, and then normally I would end the show with a Game Pass Spotlight of the Week, but I will be honest with you, this past week I've been pretty swamped with other stuff, life stuff, work stuff, so I have not been playing a lot of Xbox. In fact, the only free time I had to play video games in the past week, I used playing some Season 2 of uh, of uh, Apex Legends and a little more Halo 5 because I, you know, I, I love Halo 5. Um so, I mean, not a Game Pass game, but it is a free download. Try Apex Legends if you haven't. I know people hate the Battle Royale genre, but Apex Legends is actually quite fun. I, re- I really like that game a lot. As as much as I want to hate the, uh, the Battle Royale genre, I'm a huge Respawn Entertainment fan, and i got to admit they did a great job with Apex Legends. It's it's way more addicting, addictive than I would like for it to be. But, um, yeah, if you haven't tried it out, maybe give it a try. If you, if you can manage to get a squad of, of two other friends together, get, get a three-man squad going... Um, it's it's a pretty good time. It's and and this newer update uh, they have to launch with the season two um, content it really balances the weapons in the map a little bit more. So uh, I mean, if you pro- chances are you checked out Apex Legends, but if for whatever reason you haven't, don't don't write it off just because it's a battle royale. It's actually a pretty damn good game. Um, so that's my recommendation, even though it's not a Game Pass spotlight game, but it's the only thing I've been playing as of late. Um, so with that, we are going to be uh, done with this week's episode, another episode in the can. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am having a good time recording the show. Uh, it sounds like I'm trying to convince myself on air that I'm enjoying this, but no, I, I really am. And I really do appreciate that people are listening again. I listener shop, listener shop, listenership has uh, waned a little bit. It looks like it's kind of plateauing a little bit. So I, between iTunes and, and YouTube and SoundCloud, which is where pretty much all the listens are coming from, uh, we're getting this like a, a steady, like 30 to 50 people a week, which is, you know, to put that in perspective for me, it's like if I were to stand in a room in front of 30 to 50 people and they were going to all listen to me like talk in front of a microphone for 45 minutes to an hour about Xbox, you know, that would be that'd be pretty nice, you know, that people would give a shit to listen to me talk about Xbox. So if you are, if you have been listening consistently, I really thank you for that. If you've just listened once, I hope you'll return. And if not, I appreciate your time anyway, because, you know, I know there's a lot of other podcasts to listen to out there. There's a lot of other great podcasts to listen to out there. Uh, I would know because I spend pretty much every second of my life commuting to and from someplace like work or the grocery store because I live in a traffic hellhole and I listen to podcasts to get through all that. So I totally understand. Um, but yeah, again, you rate me on iTunes, uh, five stars only. Otherwise it doesn't count. Um, and remember only say nice things, constructive things, or to compliment my beard that you cannot see because this is indeed an audio only podcast. Uh, thanks for listening and we will see you next week for more Xbox on.